Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and Football Studies, who's back this week. Welcome back, Keith. This week featured our round three FA Cup match at home against Liverpool. Hi, Dove. Um, so yeah, when I last spoke to you, we were just coming off a game against Liverpool, uh, a game which we weren't wearing our red jerseys, so... Uh, Nothing's changed. Absolutely everything is the same. <laughs> Nothing at all has happened, and everything is fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> well, I noticed you're wearing a jersey that looks even more like Arsenal's jersey this season, because it is this, jer- this season's jersey. I'm wearing one that looks as much like this season's jersey as the- what they wore yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, in, the, in their defense, uh, first off, this was a this was a, a Christmas present, so, you know, yeah, I, nice. I, I, happy Christmas there, because um, that's <laughs> happened since we last spoke. Um, yes. But also, uh, in your case, no, uh, the, the the shirts they wore on on Sunday were more because they had an Arsenal crest on it in black and white. <laughs> I know, I'm teasing. And it was there, so... <laughs> I'm teasing, but yeah, it was as, as with last year, it was very frustrating. You had very little to go on as far as identifying players from home because there was no name and the number was completely invisible from most camera angles because it had a thin black outline that quickly disappeared. So you kind of had some basic physical characteristics to go on and not much more. So I, it, I guess the most interesting thing, again, we talked about this last season. It's, it is a worthy cause, you know, to, as to help stopping, you know, violence, uh, in the streets, in the streets of London. And, and, it, you know, it's interesting, obviously wearing white. Liverpool wears red as their main color. They also, apparently they did agree. I, I remember, I thought I'd seen to wear their purple. Uh, so they were, um, Joining in, so to speak, uh, at which point they're both playing in the FA Cup, which gives you a nice bright red patch on the shirt. <laughs> right. So I noticed uh, that on the no more red day, there was plenty of red on the jersey yeah, because of that, especially uh, on Odegaard. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, that, I mean that, but that's the, that's been the color of the FA Cup's logo for the last couple of years. So that's not sure. exactly a new sure. thing. Um, it's just, no. <laughs> it, it, of all, it is kind of just one of those strange things. I, I'd be curious. I uh, will get into this more with the game. I'll be curious how much they continue to go with it because they continue to perform very poorly. And, 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 you know, again, this isn't a, a comment. On, I mean, you know, some things, you know, obviously the idea is some things are more important than sports. I, okay, fine, I guess. Uh, but also like athletes in particular can be very superstitious and you kind of wonder, does that come at a moment or is that sort of thing that gets in their heads a little bit? And you know, mm. wearing the, I, I'd be curious because it's it's. I feel like it's in a couple of years now, and we just haven't looked good wearing them, and not and not look good. But I mean, haven't like yeah. haven't played good very, form. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> again, players are weirdly superstitious. You know, I, it's this whole yeah. conversation about uh, like the the American football, the national, the NFL's regular season end of the playoffs are coming, and they're starting to talk about what you know, the jersey combinations teams will wear in the playoffs. And it's like, well, they're not going to wear that because they the last time they wore it, they got blown out. So they're going to have to wear something different. It's like, right. yeah, I guess, they, I guess they would. That totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah I assume Liverpool not wearing their, their primary jersey was 
just not necessarily like because, oh, for the charity, we don't want there to be any red on the pitch. More like if anybody's wearing red in the Emirates, it's going to be Arsenal, <laughs> not Liverpool. And if like I, I'm guessing it's just kind of like Arsenal dictates as the home team. Like, do you wear a clash kit or not? I'm guessing. But yeah. And, you know, in, it, again, this is you certainly in, in the soccer tradition. For the most part. You, you, you know, the team has their home kit, right? Liverpool's red, Arsenal red with white sleeves. And then we talk about this, like, the, the clash, the change kit is, you know, if yours clashes, you wear the different one. Um, you know, and that's just... But in the, you will default to, and you've seen we wear the red, you know, at Chelsea, yeah. at City, uh, you know, at, at Spurs. Like, we'll wear it in a place where it doesn't clash. Um, right. You know where, but but there's a lot of this is worked out in advance. Obviously, we only see the announcement like a couple of days before the game. Oh, where they're wearing the all white jerseys this weekend. But I mean, they've they, this all has to be cleared with the league and Liverpool knows, oh, yeah. and so they they I, yeah. I suspect that was a conscious decision on their part. It's not as if they showed up or like, oh my god, we brought the pur- purples, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, this is all this is all worked out in advance. They all know that, know what's happening. So. So, meanwhile, something I wanted to tell you about that was kind of funny. Um, so, uh, my family, we've been watching the Rocky movies. Uh, my son mm-hmm. has gotten into boxing. So, we finished all the Rocky movies and moved on to Creed. So, we watched Creed 1 uh, Friday last week. And we're watching it. And they have this, like, fake HBO sports segment talking about this fictional boxer in in the story and talk about how he's from the mean streets of Liverpool and they show him training and he's wearing blue and I'm like what and I could see a soccer crest on it right so mm-hmm. it looked like it was supposed to be a soccer jersey I'm like blue what is going on and as the episode went on a little bit more and they showed more close up detail and stuff I was like oh he's from Everton and it was actually interesting because the climactic boxing match in that movie took place in Goodison Park. And I recognize the name from having played there a couple times now. Um, that was that was interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's one of those increasingly more, more and more. I, and I suspect the leagues themselves are probably getting involved this, too. They they're willing to license themselves and their images and their names because there's a benefit to getting that kind of publicity and, and increasingly know it's available. You know, you can't just hold that boxing match in some indeterminate arena somewhere. It's going to be at a place that exists with a name and you'll have, mm-hmm. you know, of course the guy is an Everton fan. You know, there's those little yeah. trappings. Although here's, here's a fun one. I was thinking of this as we were talking about kit kits and colors. So I'm sending you this link. Um, Newcastle and Sunderland <laughs> played in the, um, in in the FA Cup this weekend as well, and uh, bo- both wore their regular kits. Uh, Newcastle is black and white stripes, as we know. Sunderland is red and white stripes. And uh, hmm. take 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 a look at the picture there. Uh, so yeah, links right here in the yeah. Um, there, yeah, it's uh, a. <laughs> There, there were choice. <laughs> there were complaints. Uh, if you sc- uh, scroll down, they do like a full field yeah. picture, and it, it's it's yeah. it's not easy to tell them no. too. Um, they they've done it apparently in the articles they're talking. About, they've done this in the past where you'll see some like the have a solid color back stripes at the front, solid color back, and that helps a little bit as well. They've done this in the past, but this one 
Ooh, this one, yikes. That was oh, right, good. it's the kind of thing where, right, like, I'm sure on the field, maybe it's easy enough to tell each other apart, but yeah, from the stands, mm-hmm. it's completely lost. So I could see having a different color back could help with that. Yeah. All right, so... Um, huh, yeah. that's fun. <laughs> Something that we shouldn't have to ever deal with. <laughs> you, you know, again, you you would think, and yet, and yet. You never know, if with the away kits and the third kits, you, you never know. So. Those are their regular. Those are their regular kits. Oh, sure. No, I'm I, saying I, for our for Arsenal. For oh Arsenal. yes, for yeah. Arsenal. I, I have heard. I feel like I've heard of. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I feel like I have heard of instances where you will actually see because the the visiting team's kit options are limited that you will see a home side. Typically, I would imagine it would be a, a big Premier League team that would have typically have three kits as opposed to a, a smaller one that would have only two. You may randomly hear of an instance where the the big club at home will wear one of their changes because the they, the the visitors don't have enough clash in right. color combinations. So, right, yeah, I could see that happening more maybe in an FA Cup match where you're playing someone a few divisions down or something like that. Also, yeah. also another way that can go certainly. Yeah. All right, so uh, so what's going on uh, as far as Arsenal's roster? Um, so yeah, January is going to be a time of great, uh, great upheaval. Um, we have a couple of players missing for continental championships. Uh, Tomiyasu is going to be with Japan at the Asian Cup, and they are they're among the favorites. I know that got mentioned. Um, you know, he's, he, that'll be a tough, that's a tough loss. Uh, Mohamed Elneny is also missing for us. He's with Egypt at what is the African Cup of Nations, which is a pretty cool title for a tournament. Uh, he's at AFCON. Um, <laughs> who is a player who is not at AFCON is Thomas Party, was not called up to Ghana, which suggests that the injury he has that we've been saying, oh, maybe he's coming back soon. <sighs> Probably not. Um, that's not a good mm. sign. Um, and then just we've had some other knocks. Jesus was injured. He saw he wasn't on the he wasn't even on the bench this weekend. Zinchenko apparently has a knock, and you know it's um, so we're running a little thin overall. And, and a yeah. lot of co- clubs are going to go through this. I mean, Liverpool was missing you know arguably their best player in Mosala, who's also with Egypt at Afcon. Um, okay, you know that th- there's going to be some. You're going to be thin in certain places, and that's all sort of exacerbated, of course, by uh, the transfer window opening up. And now we're looking into January and 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 making those kinds of decisions about what we, our roster mm-hmm. looks like for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I guess uh, party got moved to Afcon Five. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Trying mind. to figure out what direction I want to go in that one. Um, <laughs> I don't, uh, um, <laughs> well, changing subject, uh, by way of follow up for last match, uh, one, one question that I had that, uh, Mike and I weren't too sure about is so talking about the West Ham match, that was our 19th match in the season. And for accumulation purposes, it was after that, that yellow card accumulation would reset. Right. So what I was curious about is, so if you're sitting there with four yellow cards, do you basically get your fifth for free in that 19th match? Like where it just goes away or does a yellow card accrued in the 19th match continue to the second half of the season? Right. So, so the way that rule works is 
Five yellows in the first 19 games leads to a ban. At that point, and then I had to look this up, it's the first 32 games, then the threshold for a ban is 10 yellows. So if you pick up that fifth yellow in the 19th oh. game, now that goes towards your total of 10, which could get you a suspension later on, but it won't... Well, I guess you would you would pick up your fifth yellow in the 20th game, and that's at that point. If you pick it up in the 19th game, your fifth yellow, you're banned for the 20th game. Okay. So that's interesting. So there's a couple overlapping windows going on there. Okay. Yeah, well, really really, what it is is it changes the threshold for a ban. And so for the first half, you've accumulated – first half of the season, you get five. Okay, you need to set a game. Once you hit the halfway point, okay. Like if you pick up a yellow in your 20 – your fifth yellow is in the 22nd game. All right. You can – you know, so you can stay on. But yeah. then it starts to accumulate. You pick up that tenth one in the first 32 games and then you're you're there yep. and um but yeah i guess the allowance per game like if you figure out the average is actually lower as time goes on cuz there's fewer matches that you can accumulate 10 over than you're able to accumulate 5 over so it's kind of like the tolerance goes down a little bit it seems like interesting mm-hmm. all right um what's going on stateside uh, this was a weird story. We didn't talk about this last time, even though we, we could have. This is just a strange story, which I don't quite know what to make of it. So late December on a Friday, apparently, because, you know, that's when you always announce unpopular news on Friday afternoon. Uh, the MLS announced that it would not be fully participating in the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup is the American equivalent to the FA Cup, which we'll be talking more about uh, for a little while longer. Um and MLS, it, it's the oldest soccer competition in America. It is apparently the second oldest national cup in the world after the FA Cup, um, or maybe second longest continually held, something something like that. It's been around a long time, has a long history in this country. And MLS basically said, I don't know if they officially said, but we're completely pulling out, or they just said, we're going to use our reserve teams, the, the sort of the youth academy size, uh, MLS Next Pro. And... Um, MLS and U.S. soccer have always had a, a, an interesting relationship. It has typically been very close and very integrated in a lot of ways, which kind of makes sense in a lot of respects. Uh, but, it, it, you know, basically it's it would be kind of a surprise that MLS would do something that U.S. soccer was both not in favor of and completely unprepared for. Apparently that was both the cases here. U.S. soccer mm. obviously didn't obviously didn't like that, but also wasn't was a bit surprised and unhappy when that when that decision came out. Apparently, and what is a shock to a lot of people, has told MLS, no, you do have to compete in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, you know, there are all sorts of rules about a, a number of American-born players have to play, and uh, so theoretically there are rules about first-team players on the roster and how many have to be involved in the game for it to count as a first-team. It, But it's interesting because with basically... One of the things U.S. soccer is saying is part of the deal with being the Division One league in this country, the top division, is you have to participate. To be sanctioned that way, you have to participate in all U.S. soccer competitions, including the U.S. Open Cup. Sure. Um, so it'll be very curious to see where that goes. Now, the U.S. Open Cup, um, you know is is not covered by Apple TV. It's not covered in that contract. U, the U.S. Uh, U.S. Soccer has a separate contract for that. Um, 
I think we talked about this. So most of the games are on YouTube. Uh, they end up getting played in the midweeks. Uh, even MLS teams will play reserve sides. They'll play in some of them will play in, you know, secondary stadiums or, you know, local local college stadiums or, you know, as opposed to their actual stadiums. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's just such a weird thing because there are a lot of people who are upset about this. And, you know, I mean, MLS is going to put a lot more focus on the League's Cup and is going to be more interested in how that plays out. And, of course, through Apple, that's the stuff that makes them a lot of money. Uh, is the, things like the League's Cup, but also, of course, the regular season competition, where they get nothing from the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but, hmm. uh, you know, that they're, uh, these games draw a couple thousand people. The ratings aren't really very good. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of authors to this uh, difficult, unusual, or unfortunate situation. And... Um, Hopefully they can find. So I, I I would hope they come back. I think it's I think it's good the MLS is involved in, in the U.S. Open Cup. I think that matters. Um, right. You know, but it's it, it's just kind of a weird, awkward situation. But it probably leads us to the case where MLS will be finalizing its schedule right as the season starts. Which of course that seems to be what they do. So okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, it seems like the FA Cup is a bigger deal like winning the fa cup is is a pretty big deal in in england um and apparently the it's so it's almost the way that it's looked at is almost more like the carabao cup the league cup in england is how the u.s open is looked like and looked at like in america is it kind of that kind of like it could be like a youth competition or something for some teams um that's a little uh, there's yes and no i mean england's weird because they have the two cup competitions which is not something you see in a lot of other countries it's always kind of curious how much stock clubs put into the fa cup i mean arsenal cares a little bit more than most because it's a trophy that is important to the club and you have arteta who of course wants to win everything all the time Um, right but then again you saw i mean you know we played you saw our lineup we played aaron ramsdale um you know, in net, we did some of the things that you would expect for a competition that's maybe not quite as high a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it depends on matchup. If we were, if we had drawn, you know, City played Huddersfield. If we had drawn Huddersfield, yeah, you. But well, we, we drew Liverpool. Alternately, we had you know a week off since the last game. We have a, a, the next weekend off entirely. A bye. We have two weeks before our next game. So at that point, why not go nuts on your on your roster? Why not go with a strong mm-hmm. lineup? It, it, that one is uh, there's a lot more context dependent um, on what it, what it is you're going to do uh, for those for something like the FA Cup. Yeah, That's, yeah, very interesting. I guess uh, I guess we'll see we'll see how it shakes out and who ends up playing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I can't push it off <laughs> any longer. I think it's uh, time to talk about round three of the FA Cup. Uh, did not go so well for us. This was played yesterday, Sunday, January 7th, 2024. We, we lost against Liverpool 0-2 at home. Uh, it, it's a, it, fo- it followed the exact same mold to my eyes as the couple of games that have come before where mm. we dominated, utterly dominated the first half, tons and tons of possession, tons of chances, none of which we were able to convert. This is a troubling pattern that's emerging. Yeah, and there's a lot of, there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, The comparison, I think, is the West Ham game. Fulham, Fulham, we were, we were garbage in Fulham, at the Fulham game. Um, I I, I don't, yeah. 
I almost don't think there's any lessons you can draw from the Fulham game other than everything was terrible and like it just you're going to have stinkers. You're going to have games where things just go horribly wrong, and that was Fulham. That was an we were awful that day. Um, you know, West Ham we outplayed them in a lot of stretches. They defended really well. Honestly, in some ways, I thought we actually did play pretty well in this game. You know, for us to take the game to Liverpool like that, Liverpool Liverpool's good enough to play with us. Or we're good enough, but Liverpool is not a team that's going to sit and count, sit bunker and counter against us. Partly because they can match us talent wise, obviously, mm-hmm. but also they don't want to do that. They are they are an aggressive the, the gig and press, you know, the, the aggressive forward pushing score goals kind of side mm-hmm. that they are. And we spent certainly the first half we pinned them back in their own end pretty much the entire game. Uh, which is impressive and generated some real chances. I, I think the one, the one that really look I look at and sort of say, man, that's the one we needed, was Odegaard's shot off the crossbar. Yes, and and not just because it's a good opportunity. It obviously was, you know, to, to hit the crossbar like that. But it's the kind of goal because it came in a sequence where we had a couple of couple of chances, a couple of looks, couple almost, 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 and then Odegaard cracks one, bang off the bar. And what I what I worry about at, is it. I start to I'm starting to wonder at that point how much of this becomes mental. So much of the game at this level is mental. You know, putting yourself in the right headspace, and guys talk about this all the time with about, about slumping and and you know being aggressive and forward, and and you know how to you know are they feeling confidence and, and all of that, and they hear all the talk we do. They couldn't, you know, they they couldn't score the goal. You know, they Liverpool created a lot of chances, got one goal, and we could have won that game. Um, created a ton of chances against West Ham, got nothing, and lost. Okay, Fulham stunk, but we did score a goal. But it, you know, it, 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 they hear this talk; they they know they're, they're not. Mm. These guys know what's going on. They know the conversations, and to put that pressure, to push forward, to, to create those chances, knowing we were going with a slightly reduced lineup. Right? Jesus was out. We mentioned Jesus was out. Zinchenko's out. Uh, you know, Jorginho's there in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, Kai Havertz is in the mid. You know, is the is center forward, which I. I was kind of in favor of him. I thought that'd be an interesting option, but we just... Kivior. Just, Kivior is playing Kivior like left forward in. instead of Trossard or Martinelli. That was an interesting choice. I mean, he, they're, they're, it seems like they're trying to do... They, it's not so much Zinchenko has does the thing that Zin, it, Zinchenko does his thing as left back. That's what Arteta wants the left back to do. And so Kivior is pushing forward. Yeah. Um... I mean, he's fine, but he's also not. He's not Zinchenko, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I it, yeah, I, it, it, that's just where I think some of the so much of that mental angle starts to come in. We're struggling to score goals. We need a goal. We need a goal. We're working so hard. We got it. Oh, crossbar! Mm-hmm. And just that's that. Like, oh, it's such a resounding miss when it bounces off the crossbar like that. Mm-hmm. It's like it feels devastating. Yeah, I, it was just, it just, and, and yeah, I mean, there were, they generated a couple chances here, there. Ben White had a really nice shot, you know, Alice yeah. had to make a good save on, but it just, it, at some point it starts to creep in your head, like, we have to, like, you just, it feels like it's so hard to score, and it just, it's like, just that, that last, 
that last bit, like you know, they something's missing there, and some of it I think is is confidence. Some of it's I think just some of it's mental fatigue. Uh, just not that physically tired, though I'm sure they are a little bit, but just the you know, we're in this case because of injuries, we're kind of running into a lot of the same things we ran into late last season. The same guys played every minute of every game, and Arteta clearly doesn't trust most of the rest of the lineup, uh, you know, the roster. And so here are some of its injuries. You know, we were missing some key guys. I mean, you know, Urian Timber was supposed to be the reserve left back. Of course, was out by the half, mm-hmm. by halftime of the first game. Um, we talk about Party, Zinchenko, obviously El Nini, and Tomiyasu, who oh, I'm sure would have started this game. Um, mm. You know, Ben White's been playing with a knock. Who knows? Maybe we see Kivior left. We see Tomiyasu on the right. I, you know, there there are all these things you can do, but you can't do them because they're you know guys guys aren't as healthy as you'd want them to be. And there's clearly some guys that Arteta doesn't seem to trust, and we can talk mostly about it. I mean, Smith Rowe, Emil Smith Rowe. I don't, I don't, I there. I feel like there's something going on there, but I don't know what it is, and it's very weird. And I just, yeah, it's it's sort of, you know, sort of frustrating to watch. But you, you, you got to think some of that plays into it mentally, and they show up and you crack one off the crossbar. And it's just like, oh, what do we do? You know? Yeah. And I wonder at a certain point how much that all of that's just sort of piling up on them, and it's kind of, kind of gotten in their heads a little bit. And I think the week off is going to be, I mean, that, this being the FA Cup, of course, winning in in a sense, a loss is a not the worst possible outcome, right? A draw is right because that means you have a replay, <laughs> another game at Anfield. Which I mean, I, I there were a couple of replays I didn't see where they were scheduled because after Sunday's game, it's kind of switched off the FA Cup altogether. Right. But they, you know that that who knows? Maybe that replay would have been this weekend, and all of a sudden now you're you're taking what should have been a bye week, a week off. Nope, right. you don't have it. You're you're right. you're you're playing again. You're going to Anfield again, um, and I just think that I you know in a sense. Yeah, I uh, it's not I mean I wanted them to score at the end especially in stoppage time. I wanted them to score. I wanted you know I wanted the goal. I want you know I would have taken the replay but I don't know. This this might be better I think just to get some time away and just just think a little bit. Or think yeah. about other things I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we go on and talk more about what happened in the second half, uh, let's thank our sponsor for the week, Zencaster. So as uh, longtime viewers and listeners will, will know, we use Zencaster to record every episode. Uh, it's as easy as can be uh, to record a podcast with Zencaster. You just log into your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. You record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. We can attest to that. Um, <laughs> we've had instability many times. Uh, Mike and I had some instability. Always, always get our files one way or another. We've, we have yet to lose a show as I, as I knock on wood. Um, it is an all in one solution. So if you've thought about podcasting before and you gave up, you're thinking you needed a lot of different tools and services. Well, those days are over with Zencaster's all in one podcasting platform. You can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. They also have an iPhone app to make it easier than ever to record on the go. 
So if that sounds good to you, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code Gooner and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. That is G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no U in Gooner. I want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time for you to share your story. So, yeah, um, in the second half, things kind of went off the rails a little bit. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't say off the rails. I mean, no. Liverpool's a good team. And, you know, it, it, you sort of forget sometimes the other team is being coached as well. They make adjustments. <laughs> and, we, and we saw that. They made an adjustment there in the second yeah. half. They were... Um, they did. They moved a few players around, and as a result, they were a little better. Um, I still thought early in the second half, I thought we had some opportunities, and I think we really could have. Um, you know, that there were still some chances there for us to put something in. Uh, but Liverpool started to turn the screws on us a little bit, and they wound up getting fairly late um, a, a a free kick opportunity, which you know. Unlucky, man. I mean, yeah. you know, Kivior chaos in the box. <laughs> yeah, I Kivior just puts. I mean, doesn't put it in. And I mean, deserves not got, got nothing to do with it. On some level, I feel like we deserved a better result than that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, of course, we've talked about this. We got to score goals, and we're not scoring goals. But you know, it, it. You know, we we generate a lot of opportunities. We're not finishing. Some of it's luck, and you know, some people hate talking about luck. But I mean, what do you call it when so many guys shank decent opportunities and they they come the other way and hit one? And it's our defender. I mean, you know, and, and and every team could look at this. Imagine City; they played really well, and all of a sudden the ball goes off Nathan Ake's face, and they lose to Arsenal. Like, yeah, we can all play that game. Yeah, uh, but that one, especially the way the game had gone, felt particularly. It 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 was just such a. Just such a gut punch. Um, yeah, it was. What what I will say about that compared to the other notable uh, defender own goal of earlier in the season, Ben White, this one, I didn't blame Kivior as much watching it. Like with Ben White, like there was far less chaos going on around him and it just looked more intentional. This looked like a chaotic situation that he just lost track of what was going on and it glanced off his head in the direction of the goal more than him intentionally kind of nodding it along in that direction, you know? I mean, he, he's definitely going, I think he's just trying, in a case as a defender, you know, you want to put something on the ball, and the idea being anything you can do to deflect it, but he doesn't really deflect it so much as kind of glances off right. him and, and goes in, which again is one of those, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd love to do that better. Um, you know, I, I think there's a better play on the ball he could make there, mm. but I don't think he's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't have the same kind of, uh, you know, Ben White's header seemed to have a bit of authority behind it. Like he was the striker. There was a play where Liverpool yeah. had one late in the game. It came in. And I think I want to say it was, I didn't remember if it was Nunes or, or one of their other forwards. He was playing deep and just headed it back towards his goal and winds up just wide of the post. You're like, whoa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, but you think he's a striker. Like, why? Yeah. I had the ball. There was the goal. <laughs> I headed towards the goal. What am I supposed to That's the striker. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> As the scorpion said to the frog. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, exactly. So, 
Um, just, just, yeah, it's it's frustrating and unfortunate. Um, and you could sort of see it coming anyway, but we started to switch more towards just just increasing the attack, throwing more forward players onto the field. Um, unfortunately, though, I, I didn't think. I don't think a lot of any of them really covered themselves in any glory. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of the team really covered themselves in glory uh, today um, or, I, or on, on Sunday yesterday. I remember it was yesterday. It feels like a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I put it. I put it into that deep past in my memory. Also, <laughs> yeah, I, you know. It, it, but again, I, you wonder how much of it is just a bad run of form, and it's a bunch of guys having bad runs of form. How much of it is confidence? Uh, how much of it is? You know, last year we scored a lot of goals. We also had a lot of guys sort of outperforming some of their metrics. We talked a little bit about expected goals, XG, and there's a lot of problems with how it works as a metric. Um, but but it does give you a de- at least a, a, a measurement to think about the kinds of chances you're creating, how many chances you're creating. And we had several guys who were outperforming their XG last season. And a lot of them are underperforming it this year. They're coming in and they're not putting in the they're they're below what you would expect, and it just seems to be happening across the board. Um, you know, is it is it regression to the mean? Well, not really the mean. It's sort of regression to the the opposite extreme. I guess you could say underperforming and overperforming. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's frustrating because it all seems to be happening at once, and we don't really have a guy. You know, I'm not just going to point to Mo Salah or Erling Holland because, of course, those guys are you know insane. <laughs> but we don't have a real goal score. We don't have a guy who like. I mean, we have you know someone who has an attitude like Eddie Inketia. I like yeah, I like Inketia's attitude. He just doesn't, and he does a lot of things well. But you know, if he's not in a good vein of form, he can be kind of invisible. You want a guy with that that mentality, but who actually. His play more consistently backs that up, I guess, is the way to say that. Right. I mean, do you think Jesus, were he not, I don't think literally because there are knee issues, but were he not hamstrung by injuries last season, this season, does he fill that role more if we can rely on him more? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, again, he's, a, he's, we talked about this. He's a goal scorer. His job is to score goals. He, he can do that. But he's not the same kind. Like he's much more of a he's much more of a, a, a guy who can do a lot of different things. We mentioned this that few, I guess, a couple, month or two now ago was the that sort of interview where he gives that quote where, like, you know, I, it, to me, scoring goals is the most important thing, or it's not my greatest skill. I mean, yeah, he helps move the ball around, puts himself into positions, helps create, you know, helps move defenders around to create opportunities, not just for himself but for a lot of others. He goes through a lot of stretches where he's missing, or he misses the net a lot. And you want we had that talk about that long stretch he had last year where he couldn't score. Um, yeah, you know, you just look at the roster, and again, players of of real talent: Havertz, Martinelli, I mean, Saka, Odegaard. I mean, these are guys who can score, and they're just they can score, but that's not what they that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. Like they do their, their real skill set is involving a lot of other different things that can create opportunities, but it feels like they're missing a certain kind of uh, a certain kind of finisher. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, again, how much of that is, 
you know, they don't need to be a lot better. They just need to bury one or two of these chances. I mean, you know, okay, they gave up the, they scored the goal against Fulham and gave up the game. But they bury they bury that crossbar that shot off the crossbar. Odegaard buries that one. I think they beat Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, Liverpool will make an adjustment and is better in the second half. But it, you know, we talk about the mental side as you put that pressure on yourself as you keep going forward. Can't score. We can't score. It reflects back the other way defensively. Can't make a mistake. We can't make a mistake. We can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. off Kivier's head, and you're just, yeah. what do you do? Yep. Um, so I think there's, yeah, uh, you know, maybe you, you wonder what's the goal that kind of kickstarts them. Is there a goal that can kickstart them? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. One one I mean, thing I would say I would say one thing I want to yeah. add. Obviously, was we're coming into January. We're in January now. Uh, the transfer window's open. Um, I would not expect a lot. Strikers are really expensive, and we don't have a lot of money. Um, that's what I was going to ask about. Yeah. Well, which part? The money or the well, no, not, <laughs> well, yeah. As as in due course, that would have come up. But yeah, no. Like if that's some somewhere someplace we're deficient, do we try to acquire that either in January or at the end of a season? Uh, do we offload a couple players to try and free up some budget? Like, is is that something that you feel Arteta should be prioritizing? Um, I, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be a little circumspect on this. I, I don't want to be prescriptive. I should say because I it's you know Arteta has his plan for players, and you know they're, they're going to be guys. I, I they're going to bring some people in, but it wouldn't surprise me if they end up being sort of in the like Albert Sambi Lokonga. Uh, kind of kind of range, uh, or even a Kivior, where they won't really give you a lot right now. They're, they're going to be younger guys who are going to take some time to kind of bed in and you know, really get brought up to speed before they can, can fill a role. Um, you know, there's a couple things, layers here. One is the money. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about financial fair play, uh, which the closest thing you get to financial restrictions We've spent a lot of money and haven't really made a lot. We, you know, I think we. The sense I get is we were budgeting ourselves to to make more money in the summer through player sales, and the ones we sold didn't quite return the revenue we were expecting. So we may have to move a guy. And frankly, you might see Arsenal really, if anything, save money and try to trigger the full purchase of David Raya. Which would rec- I mean, because right now he's on loan, it's like $3 million, but if we pay the other $27 million, then we just get him, um, which is a lot, and sort of doesn't leave you room for a lot of other things to add. The other part of that is, in a sense, we could talk about the forward line, but honestly, we've got enough people in the forward line. Our midfield is a little thin, with with Party being out... Um, you know, you kind of wonder about midfield. Our defense is a little thin with... Uh, you know, we don't, I mean, Kivior is our center back cover, but now he's also our left back cover. Tomiyasu's out. I mean, the benefit of, of all this is we're not going to, without really knowing exactly where Japan, how Japan does in the Asian Cup, probably pretty well. Um, you know, we're going to be without Tomiyasu for a little while. I mean, yeah, we basically have two games left in January. We got two weeks against Palace, and then like the last day of the month, we play Forest. Um, 
You know, that gives us a lot of space to not worry about games and not worry about having bodies. But you can see all over the field, I mean, frankly, the most valuable player we could sell in terms of making money might be Aaron Ramsdale. But we're not, I, I don't know that you can sell your backup keeper, you know, especially no, given, right. given the quality he has relative. I, I think if they want to address backup keeper, that's a summer. You know, they, I think you maybe you you sell maybe you sell Ramsdale in the summer because um, I, I I don't think he wants to stay. Um, you know, this summer I, this summer is the European Championships. Ramsdale's not going to be probably not going to be starting for England. He's not going to have enough game time. But you know, now you start the World Cup cycle for the for the Europeans. Um, you know, Ramsdale's going to want playing time because he's going to feel like he has a shot at the England number one, which I he does. He's a, you know I think he. He, he certainly deserves that consideration. Um, yeah, I, I, I just I don't I don't I I would not get our hopes up as far as making any big additions. And honestly, the forward line just doesn't make sense. Strikers are really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I ex- I would expect a depth piece somewhere else. I don't know who that would be or what that would be. I mean, you're going to see Arsenal linked to all kinds of names, which that's just how the game is played. Who knows? Uh, but it's going to be kind of interesting to think about and look at. Um, but I don't think of all the problems the roster has right now, the goal scoring one to me is not one that's going to be solved in the transfer market. I think that's got to be. And Arteta made some comments about believing in the players he has. And, you know, if you read between the lines a little bit, you could easily read that as we're not getting anybody else. It better be these guys. And he <laughs> believes in them. And, and, and I, I, I mean, Again, we talk about they're they're physically tired, they're mentally tired. I, I, Saka has had a rough running run of form. Odegaard has, you know, had had some moments. Um, you know, the Kai Havertz seems to run kind of hot and cold. Martinelli has has not had a very strong season. But these are young guys. Development's not linear. They're going to be inconsistent. If they can develop a little bit more consistency, if they can start doing that more going forward, um, you know, maybe you see. Hopefully, you start to see. You get a few of those goals go in, and all of a sudden we're talking about what was it, the Burnley game, where it was five nil. I mean, like that's not. I don't think we're far away from that. But when you go through this three game stretch and you get outscored six to one, even though you essentially dominated two out of those three games, or at least you know one and a half of those games, you know that that frustration starts to build. Yeah. All right. Well. It's the time of the show where we usually would pick our player of the week. Um, I'm kind of hard-pressed to think of someone from this Liverpool match. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> um, I feel like we could go to one of the old standbys. I, 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 I thought Saliba had a good, had a solid game. Even his yellow card was, nope, that was a good, that was a good foul yeah. to, to take. Um, he made a really nice sliding tackle on somebody. I thought overall he was he was fine. He was good. Yeah, actually, um, that that one sliding tackle, I was surprised that that wasn't called a penalty. That I think it was in the box, and that easily could have been. <laughs> uh, he's, I, you know, most of the times defender goes to the ground in a box. You're like, yeah, but when Saliba does it, it's like <laughs> he's got this. It's fine, yeah. and he, and it was. He had it. It was fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess. I mean, I thought Declan Rice was okay, but you know, we kind of need a little bit more of him going forward. He's still. I don't think we. I, I, this is going to sound like a weird thing to say. As much as we love what Declan Rice has been to the team this year, I, I think next season 
I think you're going to witness the firepower of a fully armed and operational Declan Rice. I think with a year in the system, I think a year working with Arteta, I think you're going to see a Declan, a Declan Rice who is much more confident, has a much clearer understanding of all the things he's expected to do. Um, but that's that's a next year thing. This year, he was good, but we needed great. Uh, you know, the forward line was a mess. You know, I, I, I like Reese Nelson. I, you know, he did a lot of things, but I think you sort of saw there's a quality that he doesn't quite have. There's a reason he's a bench player as opposed to a regular starter for us. Yeah. Um, Martinelli did some good things coming off the bench, but also ran himself into trouble again. Saka was kind of a... Saka was kind of all over the place. He did some good things, did some bad things. I'm going to say Saliba. I okay. just don't really have a better one. I think. Honestly, I was thinking about this for the Fulham game. Who would I have taken? I honestly <laughs> might have just said. I honestly might have even just said David Raya because everybody else was terrible in the Fulham game. I don't, I, you know, Raya. I, I I didn't remember those games. I don't. I have to say, of the goals I've seen given up in the in the last week, maybe the West Ham one that bounced around a little bit. Otherwise, I I don't feel like I'm watching the goals and saying, "Oh, he should have had that." No, like I felt like in all of these, he, he was kind of caught. You know, uh, Ramsdale was kind of caught out on the two goal, or was caught out on the one goal. Obviously, it's an own goal, and then the last one. I mean, what are you going to do? That was that was rough. That that, that was a tough shot to block. Oh uh, um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Saliba. Okay. I I'm leaning more towards Saka. I remember just noticing time and again the the chances he created, even though they didn't get converted, he created so many in a scoreless match. Um, created so many in the first half, either contributing to him or himself taking the shot. He had the biggest impact and trying to elevate the game. I felt aside, or you know, Odegaard for the shot that almost was. But I, I feel like Saka overall, I noticed having a more direct impact on the match. So yeah, that's that's how I feel. So um, I'm feeling this week. So there, there's something that we wanted to talk about. We wanted we wanted to talk a little bit more about the the ball that crossed the byline or didn't cross the byline, depending on your point of view from the West mm-hmm. Ham match. Um, this is something that we would maybe ordinarily reserve as a post show discussion. Uh, this week, I think maybe we'll make it a dessert topic where we'll talk about it after the outro. And anyone who wants to stick around and, and listen can. Uh, we will not put it behind the paywall this time around. So, uh, that said, uh, what's coming up for next week? Uh, so next week, uh, apparently they're going to go somewhere nice and warm to go train. Uh, the Premier, the Premier League has a bye week scheduled. Um, so they'll take a, they'll take the week off, um, because they don't do that. Uh, a lot of other leagues in Europe will take off the holiday period. Uh, the Premier League does not. They stick more games into that stretch. Right. <laughs> uh, but instead, they've decided to go with uh, they 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 instituted this. I think last year was the first year they did this. Uh, no, maybe it was the year before because last year was weird with the World Cup. They've instituted this bye week in January, um, which I think Arsenal will need. But you know, because of the way January spaced out, I said we only have two more games left in the month of January, which is weird, right? Uh, but then we're going to get to February. We're back in it with the league, and also we—that's when we hit we hit February. We hit Champions League again. So, um, I, you know, we'll see how they what they end up doing in the transfer market. Um, but anyway, as far as what we have coming up this week, nothing. In two weeks, a little less than two weeks, uh, we will be home to Crystal Palace uh, as we go into the second half of the Premier League campaign. 
or continue, I guess, since we already started it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and we recommend you do, please like and subscribe. To support the show even more, of course, you can become a Gooner U superfan. For ad-free episodes, bootleg recordings, and bonus segments like the one you can stick around for a preview of in this episode, and entire bonus episodes, it's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. Thanks again to our sponsor, Zencaster. You can find them with our special link in the description. Again, you can follow our show on Twitter at Show for updates and ask questions. My name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith. And you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Enjoy that sun, boys. Happy holidays, Gunners. <laughs> so the... the um, I guess that the, the goal that... Shouldn't have been potentially uh, against West Ham the the goal kick that never was. <laughs> yeah, well, so 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 here, here's here's I'm actually I'll get to it, but I'm gonna take a roundabout perspective on this, and I I may have talked about this before, but if I haven't, I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> I feel like the big problem we see in England with VAR is I don't think there's real buy-in from the officials about how it should be used. Like, there's a certain... And and I've heard some comments of this. uh, Current officials generally don't make a lot of comments. They keep quiet. But, like, Mike Dean, who recently retired, a longtime Premier League referee and a a bane of many Arsenal fans' existence, um, he, he, he made some comments in an interview earlier in the season. Um... And there was, some, and I forget, I don't remember the exact wording, so I'm not going to try and quote him. But something about the way he described it sort of confirms something I've been thinking, which is that I don't think there's enough buy-in from the officials to understand what it is that replay tries to do. Um, and and I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think there's a philosophical question of when we have replay, what is the point of replay? Is it to fix the clear and obvious error or is it to get every call exactly right and the answer is we try to do a little both of that take it take offside right mm-hmm. offside is about getting the call exactly right right that's In a way that's not possible on the field right right um but some of these others they come with the idea of it being you know a clear and obvious error which is, I think, where we are with with the West Ham goal and the ball being out or not out. And I think part of the issue is, you know, it gets a lot to the, the, the burden of proof, right? The burden of proof, because the call in the field said the ball was in, the video evidence then indisputably needs to say that the ball was definitely out. Now, I know you believe it was out. Mike believes that. I'm pretty sure it was out, but you can't see the ball. And that's it. At the moment that it crosses, for the brief moment that it crossed, right. You cannot see it, and I think it's just one of those, you know, again, I I would come the other way. A good heuristic when thinking about refereeing decisions is always, what if it was reversed? What if it was us sitting there? If they had, if that had been us, and they called that ball out when you cannot see it, I think we rightly, after we scored, I think we rightly would have been very upset. I think the Newcastle one is a little different. I'm, I've watched those replays. I'm less convinced. I'm more convinced that ball was out. 
apparently Joe Willock, former Arsenal player, basically told some of the players he thought it was out too. Of course, he kept playing because that's what you're supposed to do. You played the whistle. Um, but but the West Ham one, like you can't actually see. You you can see enough that you could maybe infer. Right, it's right. behind his legs. I, you could infer the ball being out, but you cannot actually see the ball there. And from the from the VAR's perspective, as I watched that, I thought they are not going to overturn this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't sit here and just say like, "Well, I was right about that." I wish I had been wrong, of course. But like <laughs> that, that I just looked at and said, "I think because I think it comes down to there needs to be a much clearer understanding." between the officials and themselves, but also the officials and the players and the fans, there needs to be just, I think, a better understanding of what it is VAR is trying to do and where is it making judgment calls versus where is it making clear decisions. And I don't think that's very clear. Right. I I don't think it's very clear in terms of how VAR is communicating with the officials on the field as well. I think there's a... There's a disconnect there as well as far as understanding. And, 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 and this was some of Dean's comments was about not wanting to overrule his friends or make them look bad. And, and some of them kind of like admitting a mistake doesn't make you look bad. You know, right. there's a lot going on, you know, and, and obviously referee, I mean, referees are scored anyway. It's not as if, you know, the, the league is going to sit there and st- I mean, maybe they will. Who knows? It's an easy way to do it. You start ticking off. Oh, you had so many calls overturned. Uh, <laughs> right. Maybe you're not a good referee. They're play- but they're being reviewed anyway. They're already watching these things. Right. They're and being just- internally reviewed whether or not it's exposed to the public. Right. And, and I do the think of the match. I, yeah. And and this is and now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to vamp for a little bit because I gotta find this thing. Uh, the, the MLS is making a change. Um, while, while you look that up, I have something else that's kind of a, a an analogous situation. Okay. So. I write software for a living, right? I make apps, Mm -hmm. right? And once a year, I do an hour of code talk where I talk to middle schoolers about what I do. And I I pointed out to one of them, I was in the talk, I was talking about how, you know, you could, uh, as far as other, other roles in software, you could be a tester. It could be your job to find errors in a, in, in a program. Right. And I, that's something I, mention I respect. I'm always thrilled when a tester gives me an error to my program. And the kids didn't didn't know. They they didn't understand that. And I explained, well, look, I don't want to... The the error is either there or it's not, right? And if it's there, like that's something that's already done. (laughs) And if I can find it and correct it, that's better than it being there and blowing up at some point in the future when someone else mm-hmm. finds it through the course of it being used. It's, it's the same kind of thing. Like you want the call to be right. That should be above any individual's ego, ideally. <laughs> right. And, and, but we are also dealing with judgment calls in a lot of these cases. They aren't, not all of these things. I mean, we're talking about being in or out of bounds. Obviously that feels much more clear cut, but I mean, it, it gets into cards and fouls and things like that. So here, here's, here's like, this is CBS's article about this MLS. There's a bunch of rule changes coming in for the new year or for their new season. But one of them was, and I'm just going to quote from the article here. This is CBS Sports. As long as it's approved by the International Football Association Board, the IFAB, uh, VAR decisions will be announced by the referee to fans both in the stadium and viewers on television. Hmm. This is the, will be the first time it has been trialed in a top-flight league. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Now, as an American sporting fan, you see this 
all the time. Right. right. I mean, it, it, I mean, the football does this constant. Uh, the football does this all the time. The referee has a microphone. When there's a penalty, he will right. turn on the mic and announce to the crowd. You can hear him in the stadium. It's mic'd up, yep. and then of course on TV, you know. Holding number sixty-seven offense, uh, you know it, he will make the call and point, do the gesture, but also talk. Hockey has start started doing this. You know the referee, you know will skate out, and you know we got you know number five white two, you know two minutes boarding. And like he'll they'll make yeah. the gesture and they'll talk. Yeah. Um, when they go to the replay, they'll come in and say, you know, after we after review, the puck did not cross the line fully. We have no goal. I, they will. Well, briefly just walk you through it. It leads to some funny moments. I mean, the the famous one was a, I think it was a college game where uh, they you know they threw a flag on somebody, and as the referee said, it was a personal foul. He was uh, giving them the business down there. It was, it was some guys. <laughs> he was threw a punch in. There was a big scrum for a ball. A guy, a couple guys threw threw some punches. As the referee said, he was giving them yeah. the business. <laughs> so you get a few of those too, but. Uh, um, I yeah. think this is a. I think this is a good idea. I I, I think this sort of thing helps. Yeah. And, and apparently, I've heard I've heard this comment. I was listening to something recently. Uh, they were talking about the in stadium experience because, of course, we only watch on TV. But sort of the in stadium experience when like like you have like when VARs when they have no idea what's going on, right? And right. like to even just get an announcement, there's a VAR check, or to come out later and say, okay, here's what we looked at. Yeah, just a brief. You know, it's not a. You're not giving a. You're not giving a, a lawyer's brief. It's just you know, get up. Here's the call. Like that's going to go. That kind of transparency goes a long way to helping people understand how those decisions get made. Sure. And I think that. Process well, I mean, I imagine sort of most. Yeah, I Sorry, mean, I imagine ahead. most of the stadiums. No, no, go ahead. Um, I, I imagine most of the stadiums have, <laughs> at least in the Premier League, like they almost certainly all have jumbotrons where they could even be showing the VAR footage live, like we see on TV. Mm-hmm. You, 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 that that they're going to be very careful with, and there are oh, yeah. all sorts of there are all sorts of things about it, and. And I, I forget what I forget how much there were actually rules and how much it was just custom. Generally speaking, they're very cautious about showing controversial calls on the video screens, hmm. uh, partly because of the fan reaction. Although sometimes teams okay. will do that deliberately, they will show replays that they know favors the team, the home team. It'll help the <laughs> it'll help maybe the coach make it make the challenge or give the referees another look to go. Oh, we should really change that. Uh, you know, like there, there are all sorts of shenanigans teams play with that. Um, I don't know that you want I, as much as you want transparency. I always feel like there's a, there is a certain limit to that. Like you can't have every deliberation essentially being made in public. I, like, I understand. Like yeah. I think yeah. it's okay for them to privately make their view the video, make their decision, and come out and say. This is our decision. Yeah. I don't think you want to hear the debate and the discussion. I think they deserve privacy for that. Um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily – I wasn't saying – I wasn't thinking the verbally, but the way yeah. that at home we see them – we see the ball – go back and forth toward the line, right? Like you see what they're looking at. So at least whatever decision they make, you have pretty much the information that they did to yeah. decide for yourself, whether they did it right or not. But I, I wonder if there's some, if there's some hesitancy on that. We've talked about sort of the treatment of referees and fan culture and things. I wonder if there's some hesitancy based on all of that. Um, Cause again, we can, it's amazing how many people can watch replays and, and see, and see different things watching the same video, right? It's <laughs> <Rashomon>. a con- 
<laughs> right. I mean, it's a, it's a constant sort of, you know, ethics or, you know, good perspectives problem, right? I mean, you yeah. uh, you show the same thing to different people and hear the different things they say about it. Even, yeah. even with Rashomon, like you're talking about the different people are coming at it from different angles. Here, you could all just sit, watch the same thing on the screen, for, and everybody's interpreting it differently. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's... It, fascinating things about the human brain but uh <laughs> yeah um the short the short answer is as frustrated as i was by all of that the fact is we should have scored some goals like i i that in the oh, end yeah, of the day i yeah. can only get so mad about that we needed to score goals we didn't and we should have yeah. we should have won that game yeah but uh you know as you said deserves got nothing to do with it yeah right <laughs> All right, so as we usually do, uh, let's take a look at the show titles I've jotted down over the course of the episode. Uh, so I'm seeing Weirdly Superstitious, which I kind of get a Stevie Wonder vibe from. Mm-hmm. Um, on Friday afternoon, you're going to have stinkers. It feels devastating. As the scorpion said to the frog, fully armed and operational rice. I kind of like that one, <laughs> especially given our Star Wars history. Um, burden of Proof. I wish I had been wrong and all sorts of shenanigans. Some of those are very recent. <laughs> um, I like some of the earlier ones. I think the first four of the first five, I don't love you're going to have stinkers. I kind of like, but I, <laughs> I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the Stevie wonder weirdly superstitious. I'm feeling it. Uh, I like Friday, Friday afternoon. Sure. It feels devastating. Scorpion frog. Yeah. I kind of like those. Um, okay. Uh, I think it feels devastating. I mean, I think that really f- captures the tone of what happens. Well, it does, it does lead to a certain ambiguity. To feels devastating, is it? I mean, we're, yes, I would like to win the FA Cup. Yes, I want to win a trophy. That was a one we had a chance for. We are still yeah. alive in the Champions League. <laughs> yes, our form has been bad, but everybody has some wobbles. Course, I mean, yeah. we could we you know we could come back and perform well in the second. We, the the league is hardly out of range. Oh yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I, it feels devastating. I don't think it it is. I know everybody wants a trophy, but it just kind of focuses you for the the back half of the season. It's like okay, it's <laughs> it's the league in the Champions oh, yeah. League. So I, you, I, you could, know, you could read feels with italics, right? It feels yeah. devastating. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess, I mean, I guess there's also if we had lost the Liverpool like in the quarterfinals, you know, oh, that would have hurt yeah. so much. But More like, devastating. Well, at least devastating. we made a run. Overstating it. Well, at least we made a run, you know. Yeah. Like, but here it's in the losing in the third round. But then again, we drew Liverpool yeah. in the third round. Like, one of us has to lose, or eventually, um, right? Or worse, we'd have to play right. again. Uh, it's so weird to me. We're going to play them again, like in a month, and that's it. We're done. With Liverpool. We're done. We're done. That's the last we're going to play Liverpool this year because they're, right. you know, they're in the Europa League, and uh, now we're out of the cups. They are still in the Car- they're in the semis of the Carabao Cup. Uh, so they're, right. they're still very much, uh, you know, I, and yeah. and frankly, you know, given there are competition, they and City are competition. Um, I think City's out of the Carabao Cup, but yeah, sure, Liverpool go ahead and win the Carabao Cup. Go to deep run in the FA Cup and the Europa League too. Add games to that register. You know, add games to that roster. Some yeah, right. miles on miles on those. Like, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> All right. So let's say if it's between weirdly superstitious and fully armed and operational rice, which would you pick? Uh, I think weirdly superstitious. All right, we'll go with that one. Yeah, I feel like this is not the week to go with fully armed and operational rice. I feel like that's that's <laughs> right. It was talking about next season. It yeah, wasn't applying to this, this is season. not this yeah. is not the week for that one. Um, <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> so yeah, who got you the jersey for Christmas? Um, it was on the list. Oh, okay. My parents did this, but it was on the list, so yeah. it could have been any one of a number of people. So <laughs> I, went, I finally broke down and went with the large, uh, as opposed to the XL. It's a, it's, it feels a little more snug, but it also feels like you could actually wear this, wear it. Um, right. So we'll we'll see how that plays out over the yeah over the remainder of the season. It was cool enough on the morning on on Sunday. I I have this you know kind of white Under Armour you know kind of skin tight thing, which was really nice. It, it, it wasn't cold, but it was just cool enough that you you didn't want bare mm-hmm. sleeves, but it fit really nicely under this for the, the oh yeah, well, and that's that's what they wear on colder days at the Emirates. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so. It's, yeah, so. <laughs> nice. It did look it did look very cold in the in the game on on Sunday. Um, yeah, I think it was snowing at one point. We got like like a foot or so of snow over the weekend here in uh, mm-hmm. Rhinebeck, New York. It was uh, it was a lot. It took a while to clear. It was Broke in the seventies. Yeah, it was in the seventies today. So we did not get snow here in Houston. Um, <laughs> snow in Houston. I can't imagine. <laughs> Has that happened at, as long as you've lived yeah, there? It's, it's happened a couple yeah. of times. We had a big one. A couple. Twenty one, I think, in February. We had a massive winter storm, knocked out power. I was oh, without power and water. Yeah, that happened all throughout Texas. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. The, yeah. Whole, the whole state got got yeah, whacked yeah. with that. Yeah, I was without power and water for almost a week. Um, right. I can live without power. Water was a tough one. No water. <laughs> yeah. That was that was not good. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, we had some some water issue in our old house that lasted for like a day, and I was like, I, I, I'm supposed to just like go to work like this? Like what? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good. Have a good one. All right. See you. Bye.